Catechesis with Pope Benedict the Sistine. The Magnificat, the Canticle of the Blessed Virgin. Papa Benedict's Catechesis on Wednesday, the 1st of February, 2006. Dear brothers and sisters, we have now arrived at the final destination of the long itinerary begun five years ago in the spring of 2001 by my beloved predecessor, the unforgettable Pope John Paul II. The great Pope had wanted to travel in his catechesis the whole sequence of the psalms and canticles that constitute the fundamental praying fabric of the liturgy of lords and vespers. Having now come to the end of this textual pilgrimage, similar to a journey in a garden flowered with praise, invocation, prayer and contemplation, let us now make space for that canticle which ideally seals every celebration of Vespers, the Magnificat. It is a song that reveals in filigree the spirituality of the biblical anawim, namely, of those faithful who recognize themselves poor, not only in detachment from all idolatry of riches and power, but also in profound humility of heart, stripped of the temptation of pride, open to the eruption of divine saving grace. Indeed, the whole Magnificat is marked by this humility, in Greek, tabinosis, which indicates a situation of concrete humility and poverty. The first movement of the Marian Canticle is a sort of solo voice that rises to heaven to reach the Lord. We hear the voice of Our Lady herself, who speaks thus of her Saviour, who has done great things in her soul and her body. In fact, note the constant resonance of the first person. My soul, my spirit, my saviour, they will call me blessed. Great things have been done in me. The soul of the prayer is thus the celebration of divine grace which has made an eruption in the heart and in the existence of Mary, rendering her the mother of the Lord. The intimate structure of her praying song is, therefore, praise, thanksgiving, grateful joy. But this personal witness is not solitary and intimate, purely individualistic, because the Virgin Mother is conscious of having a mission to accomplish for humanity, and her story is inserted within the history of salvation. And thus she can say, His mercy extends from generation to generation, over those who fear him. With this praise of the Lord, Our Lady gives voice to all the redeemed creatures who in her fiat, and thus in the figure of Jesus born of the Virgin, find the mercy of God. It is at this point that the second poetic and spiritual movement of the Magnificat takes place. It has a more choral tonality, as if to the voice of Mary, is associated that of the entire community of the faithful who celebrate the surprising choices of God. In the original Greek of Luke's Gospel, we have seven aorist verbs, which indicate the same number of actions that the Lord accomplishes in a permanent way in history. He has shown strength. He has scattered the proud. He has overthrown the mighty. He has raised up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. 
He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped Israel. In this septenary of divine works, the style with which the Lord of history inspires his behaviour is evident. He ranks himself on the side of the last. His is a project that is often hidden under the opaque terrain of human events, which see the proud, the mighty and the rich triumph. Yet his secret strength is destined in the end to be revealed, so as to show who are God's true beloved ones, those who fear him, faithful to his word, the humble, the hungry, Israel his servant, namely the community of the people of God, who, like Mary, is made up of those who are poor, pure and simple of heart. It is that little flock which is invited not to be afraid, because the Father is pleased to give to it his kingdom. And thus this song invites us to associate ourselves with this little flock, really to be members of the people of God in purity and in simplicity of heart, in God's love. Let us then accept the invitation that St. Ambrose, the great doctor of the Church, addresses us in his commentary on the text of the Magnificat. May the soul of Mary be in each one to magnify the Lord. May the spirit of Mary be in each one to exalt in God. If, according to the flesh, one alone is the mother of Christ, according to faith, all souls generate Christ. Each, in fact, welcomes in themselves the word of God. Mary's soul magnifies the Lord, and her spirit exalts in God, because, consecrated in soul and spirit to the Father and to the Son, she adores with devout affection one God, from whom everything comes, and one Lord, by virtue of whom all things exist. In this marvellous commentary on the Magnificat by St. Ambrose, I am touched always particularly by the surprising words, if according to the flesh one alone is the mother of Christ. According to faith all souls generate Christ. Each, in fact, welcomes in themselves the word of God. Thus the Holy Doctor, interpreting Our Lady's own words, invites us to ensure that in our own souls and in our lives the Lord finds a dwelling place. We must not only bear him in our hearts, we must bear him to the world, so that we too can generate Christ for our times. Let us pray to the Lord that he may help us to magnify him with the spirit and soul of Mary and to bear anew Christ to our world.